going to look at some things from the Old Testament today. Uh, strictly, we won't even talk look at any scriptures in this hour from the New Testament. And Andrew has a follow-up maybe of, uh, of some of these things that I really don't know what he's got prepared. But that's okay. I was at, uh, back in last fall or late summer when Stephen Russell was here for our gospel meeting, there were six or eight men here who were, uh, it came one night to our meeting, but they were from the Pensacola to Tampa areas. Uh, they were gospel preachers. And they were, Tommy was, t- Tommy Holly in, in Starkville was teaching them uh, some classes, and Stephen Russell was part of it. And so Tommy asked me if I'd come over if I wanted to. So I went over there one morning. He said something that it, it, it's been on my mind ever since. Um, it's something subconsciously we all know, but he just put it into words. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But I want us to look at a couple of scriptures right here first. Um, in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. We're going to take up some, some scriptures in the middle of thoughts, uh, but you'll get the point. And so in the next one is Jeremiah 7, verse 23. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. There's some common thoughts in those two verses. And uh, what Tommy said that day when we had the class was the greatest blessing in the Bible. He mentioned what that was. And that does not look like what I have here on my uh, iPad. But anyway, let's look at Jeremiah eleven fourteen. Again, starting in the middle of a thought, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and according to all that I command you, so shall you be my people, and I will be your God. And in Jeremiah 30, verse 22, You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Again, Tommy said the greatest blessing in the Bible. We can be God's people. He will be our God. It, is, it just doesn't get any better than that. We'll be God's people. We will be his possession, in other words, uh, that he owns. He, of course, will be our God. And that is the greatest blessing in the Bible. I want you to look at Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 28. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my commandments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. Uh, You shall be my people and I will be your God. There's that, that phrase again. But look what God uh, 
what all he has done. Now, he, didn't, he, he doesn't exert effort to do things like you and I do. But he says, I will. Countless, uh, not countless, but number of times in here. I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out. I'll bring you in. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be cleansed. I'll give you a new heart. I will take the heart of stone out. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. God, all this he's willing to do for us, even though we've sinned, he's willing to do this. He did this for Israel. This is who he's talking about. And this is Israel in captivity, by the way. And he says he's willing to bring them out. I'll cause you to walk in my statutes, so you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you. He'll be our God. We'll be his people. And he'll do wonders for us. Things that we don't even realize. So, that's what we're going to look at. I will be your God. But we're not going to look at all the things that he's going to do for us. We want to look at what it means for us and uh, uh, what it means for us to be God's people, to be called God's people. So, I want us to look at Deuteronomy 13, verse 4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. To him. So that's what it. That's my responsibility. What it means to me to be a, a part of the family of God. We'll walk after the Lord, fear Him, keep His commandments, obey His voice, serve Him, hold fast to Him, cling to Him. Because there's a reason that we'll do that. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all, all your soul, with all your strength. We do, we obey, we serve, we do his commandments, we hold fast to him because we love him. Because we love him. In Exodus chapter 23, in verse 25, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from you. Again, we take a, we're picking up in the middle of a thought. He'll do things for us. He did things for Israel because he chose them as his people. We have to choose to be his people today. But so what does it mean then? According to that, those verses that we've looked at so far, we, we, we're supposed to love him. We are supposed to obey him. We're supposed to serve him. We're supposed to worship him. We're supposed to put away the things of the world and not let that be our focus. But the focus is to be on obeying God. That's what it means to be one of God's people. So turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Twenty-six in verses sixteen through nineteen. Deuteronomy twenty-six verses sixteen through nineteen. 
This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments, and that you will obey his voice. Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all of his commandments, that he will set you high above all nations which he has made in, made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God just as he has spoken. He's talking about Israel. All of these things he says. You declared you're going to be his, he would be your God. He's chosen, he's taken then you then to be his people. But I, I do a lot of definitions, I feel like, maybe sometimes too much when I'm up here. I just can't help it. I don't pick out verses that have words in them just so that I can define them. But this just happens. I, sorry. But it just, this is just the way I think. It, and I define words, and sometimes I'm trying to use the, the definitions that I haven't used before on some of these words. So maybe, it'll, maybe it'll, you'll think, I hadn't thought about it like that. But I want us to look. He said, you observe these statutes and, and judgments. And that observe means to put in execution. Not you execute somebody. You do what he says. You follow and fulfill. You be careful to observe them. Be careful to observe them. Keeping with faithfulness, careful means to hedge about as with thorns, to protect something, to guard it, to attend to it. And the idea then would be without leaving anything out or adding to what is commanded. God told Israel what to do. He didn't tell them to do more than he commanded them to do. Do what he said. He says, do them with your whole heart. So the details matter. You be careful to do them. You observe to do them. You, you put a hedge around them in being careful to do them, to protect and do what God said do. That's all he's asked. That's it. But nothing less. To do all of them. And as we said, the details do matter. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 27. Verses 9 and 10. Deuteronomy 27, verses 9 and 10. Then Moses and the priest, the Levite, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, to, uh, listen, O Israel. This day you shall become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. There again. Some of these words you already know. But to obey means literally to hear. You hear something with your ear. You listen to what's been said. And that listening is with the implication of attention. You do what you're told. I like to tell Sandra sometimes it's not rocket science. and She hates that. <laughs> but I'm just picking at it. It, it, this is not rocket science. We just do what God said do. And do all of it. 
Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to read the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. These blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That's interesting terminology. Blessed shall you be in the day, in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the, be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, and the increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed uh, shall be your basket and your kneading uh, bowl. Blessed shall be, blessed you shall be when you come in. Blessed you shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and the flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandment as the Lord your God, uh, of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land in which you, the Lord swore to, uh, to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain uh, to your land in its season, and to bless all... He's going, to, he's going to provide for you. I'm not going to read all that. You got it. We were talking about that in class this morning uh, when God told this rich man that you don't sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And and Jesus says the rich man, it's, it's hard for the rich man to go to heaven. And the disciples are, are like, I don't understand. What do you mean? Who can go to heaven then? Because they're going to be blessed by God if they serve God. And Jesus said it's not the comforts of the world, basically, that, that will get you to heaven. It's serving him will get you to heaven. And God told the people of Israel, I'll provide for you. I will do so much for you. The blessings will overtake you if you'll do them. So let's look. He says, you diligently obey. You completely, exactly do what you're told. In Deuteronomy 29, 9, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. You do what he says, Israel, you'll prosper. Keep the words of the covenant. So that, let's look at that word keep again. Is to protect and preserve and observe, to comply with, to be faithful to, to take notice of by appropriate conduct. What does appropriate conduct have to do with this? In other words, you do what he said do. And do it in the way he said do it. That's the appropriate conduct he's looking for. He'll be our God and then we'll be his people. It's that simple. 
But look, if we decide we want to do what we want to do instead of obeying God. In other words, if we disobey God in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 26, and I probably won't read all of it. But there are curses placed on them if they decide they don't want to do it. He's in, in the first half of the chapter, he's already told them of the blessings that they would get, and we didn't read all of it. And now, now he says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of the land, the increase of the cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make a plague to cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning, with severe burning fever, with a sword, with scorching and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze and the earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust from the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will call you cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with bo the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with scabs, with the itch, from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness. Oh, I stop. Let's stop. I read too far anyway. All these things would happen to them. Exactly opposite of what he promised, the, uh, the, the blessings that, w and he promised the opposite if they do not do what he said do. So, if you don't obey Israel, you're cursed. Were they cursed? Eventually? Yeah, they were. Why? Because they didn't obey. In Exodus 33, verse 3, after Israel, uh, after Moses has come down from the mountain with the, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments, and this golden bull, cow is, bull is there, this idol, um, God is very displeased. and He says, you go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. They had decided that the God that took them out of Egypt was a golden calf in their minds, but they knew better. He said, you're a stiff-necked people. That's the same description Stephen used in Acts 7. They, all those years later having been punished with captivity Israel and brought back 
the remnant because they this idol worshiper they've done all they it's over when they're brought back from captivity and they lived in the land well over the course of time they wandered and strayed from God's law. Stephen told him in Acts 7, said, you're stiff-necked. He says, you're uncircumcised in heart and ears on top of that. They just didn't want to do what God said do. And so the blessings would not flow to them. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 6, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Forty years they walked in the wilderness. All those soldiers who decided that they weren't strong enough to take the land, every one of them died in the wilderness. And their children were the ones that inherited the land. They were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. This land that was flowing with milk and honey, that that was theirs for the taking, and they didn't have enough faith to take it. In Numbers chapter 14, verses 32 and 33, I have it on the board. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. The sons would be the shepherds of those vast flocks they carried out of Egypt for forty years, for thirty-eight more years after they didn't take the land. They didn't have enough faith to do it. And you'll bear the brunt of your infidelity. That bearing the brunt, that word brunt particularly, it could be mean to lift up, to forgive, to be forgiven, to respect, to be honored, to hold the head high, to raise the face. But it doesn't mean that here. It doesn't. The rest of the meanings of that word is here it means to bear the sufferings, the penalty for their repeated idolatry, for rebellion, and for their disloyalty to God. Every effect has an opposite and equal effect. Uh, I forgot how the phrase goes, but you, you get the point. They're going to bear the full force of God's wrath because they didn't want to obey Him. They're going to bear the brunt of their infidelity. It didn't have to be that way. So, how do we disobey God? Just how do we do that? By not obeying God in everything, we find out from, from Israel's experience what God demands is that is obedience. And we, by not being careful in obeying God and everything. We could have just put that all in one. By adding something or doing things our own way instead of the way God said to them. By serving another God. That might be the things of this world. 
by ignoring God. Just, just not doing anything. Just living life. Just being a good person. Not harming anybody. But not serving God. Just living life. That's all it takes to disobey God. Just don't do anything. That describes our country pretty well. And the world. So what's the remedy for this disobedience? There is a remedy. Nehemiah, in chapter 1, he gets a message about his people who he's in Babylon or, or uh, the, the Medo-Persian capital Sushan something like that he's over he's there he's the king's cupbearer wine taster and he gets a, some word from a kinsman of his about the the people that have left the captivity and gone back to Jerusalem and it's not good and so he offers up a prayer and here's part of it Nehemiah 1, verses 8 and 9. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out into the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So, in this prayer, Nehemiah is as if God needs reminding, God, Nehemiah is reminding him, you, you promised, if, if, if told us if we're unfaithful, we'll be cast out. We'll scatter you among the nations. But if we return to you, you'll bring us back. Even though we might be at the farthest part of whatever empire that we're in, you, he'll bring you back if you want to come back. Yet I will gather you from there. And bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. The remedy for disobedience is returning to it. Repenting, in other words, what we would say today. Repenting and coming back to it. In Joel chapter, this all started, I was going to do a letter today that was going to be about Joel. And uh, I, you know, read read that and then I, I opened a commentary and he just brought all these other things to my mind I just I never made it to Joel to doing it so but I got a couple of verses the three or four verses anyway so rend your heart uh, Joel 2 2 13 so rend your heart and not your garments return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and he relents from doing harm don't worry if, if you're in mourning about something you've done against God, don't tear your hearts. Uh, don't tear your clothes. You tear your hearts. You rend your hearts and return to the Lord. He's gracious. He's merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. Don't get any better than that. To be able to return to him and he take you back with open arms. Return to him, for he's gracious and merciful. And he's of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm to those who return to him. 
So repent. That's what he's talking about. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the strength and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. It's interesting. God's placed two options before them. Blessing and cursing, life and death. Those are the two options. And he says, that's not what he, he said, choose life. How that got there, I don't know. Choose life. I put life and death before you. Choose life. Interesting. So it's probably not going to come up right. That is supposed to be over here for he is your life. Hmm. He is your life. I put life and death before you. Choose life. For he, God, is our life. He just is. It, nothing else in this world means anything. If we don't have him when our life is over, we will truly be sorry. It's our choice to make. It's a choice that we all make every day. Every day. And then you come to find out when you do look at Joel that there's a couple, there's a, a something in there that's pretty interesting. There's a day of the Lord. In Joel 1.15, alas for the day, alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. In, two, in chapter 2, verse 1, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the earth tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The day of the Lord comes as destruction. Well, who's, who does it come as destruction for? It comes as destruction for those who don't serve God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm. That's saying the same thing twice, really. You wake up. Let all the inhabitants of the earth tremble. Why are they going to tremble? Because of destruction. For the day of the Lord's coming, it's at hand. Always... causes one to think, hopefully, when you see this, that there's coming a time when destruction is going to be. There's coming a time when we'll tremble. The alarm will sound. The inhabitants of the land will tremble because that day of the Lord's here. Abraham is told something. After he offers up his son, he's told something. 
In Genesis 22, 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Again, in the middle of a thought. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. He obeyed, Abraham obeyed God's voice. He did what God said do. He was careful to do what all that God said do. What kind of reception will he have on the day of judgment, on the Lord's day? Would it be one of terror and destruction? A day of trembling? No, because he obeyed the Lord. It will be a day of rejoicing for those who are obedient to God. It will be a day of reward for choosing to serve the living God. We always have that choice. Every one of us. And we do make that choice every day. I keep thinking about something Joe Shane said a long time ago. He said, I get up and shave every day because I determined a long time ago I was going to shave every day. He said, that's the way I decided to serve, to do, to be about God. I will serve him every day. I made that decision a long time ago. He said, that's what I'm going to do. It's a choice we have to make. If you will, take your song books and turn to number 436. We'll sing that song. If you need to respond to the call of the gospel, whether to put on Christ in baptism, to have your sins washed away, or you have done that in the past, you need prayers of the saints. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing this song?